this week, and I, I told her I was going to steal it, but I would give her credit for it. We've always been kind of, you know, a 3G family. God, gluten, and gravy, right? I mean, <laughs> we're, we're meat and potatoes kind of family, you know, Midwest kind of a food. But uh, there are some things about our food that uh, do concern me. And so, uh, you know, we, we have, I'm allergic to some pres- preservatives. They make me pretty sick, and uh, I don't swell up or anything like that, but I get sick from some things that are in some of our food that you wouldn't suspect. So, but anyway, it's a whole, a whole soapbox I don't need to get on during Sunday morning sermon. Anyway, 360-818-4399. You can text in your questions or comments there, and uh, I'll do my best to work those in as we go through the sermon this morning. I'm going to be struggling with my voice as we go through because I've been singing in the morning, so I apologize for the way my voice sounds. Hopefully you can get over that and we can hear God anyway. And I've also been really, really long the last several weeks, and I, I was going to apologize for it, but I don't apologize because it's really important material. But I am going to do my best today since it's Memorial Day weekend to uh, get you out in a timely manner and not soak up all your Memorial Day weekend listening to me talk which I know is what you all look forward to the most every single Sunday morning. You just come and you just can't wait. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another drink. Maybe coffee will help. But we've... <laughs> excuse me. This is our last week in the Own It series. We talked about a couple of things. First, we talked about you have to own your faith in the first week of the series, that you, you have to have your own relationship with God. You can't rely on or leech off of or soak up someone else's relationship with God. You have to be pursuing God for yourself, and you have to have your own faith. And so we said you have to pick up the controller. You can't watch someone else play the game. You have to pick up the controller and get into the game. Last week, we talked about what it means to own the church and my role and my responsibility in the church, and we talked about how as we come together and we gather together, there's a tendency to, to insert myself and my agenda and my ideas and desires for what we think church is supposed to be into the idea of church, when what we really need to do is lay down the controller and let God tell us exactly how we're supposed to operate and function as a church, and then do our best to live by that, and then do our best to, as God gives us strengths and abilities, our time, our talent, and our treasure, which we talked about quite a bit last Sunday, that as He gives those things to us. It's all His. It's all His grand economy. It's all things that He is doing and giving to us. But as He gives them to us, then then we lay down our right to control those things, and we use them for building up His kingdom and making much of His name. And those sermons are online. You can go listen to those at 6achurch.com. Today, we're going to talk about owning my mission. What does it mean to own my mission? What is my role that God has given me to play? And so first, right off the bat, if you have your connection card, if you haven't done some of these things, I'd love you to just put that on your connection card and we want to help you. Uh, some of the things we do here at the church is we do what we call what's called a strengths finder assessment. And if you don't know how God designed you and how God created you, some of the strengths that you were built with, then we'd love to walk you through that as a church and help you understand just who you are and some of the ways that God has made you to work, and then we can help find better places for you to serve. So if you haven't done that yet, then put that on your Connection Finder Strengths 
based assessment that you'd like to take that. And then if you're still confused, you, you know, maybe you don't know where to start, then we have a lot of places where you can start here at the church to serve, and we'd love to get you plugged in in that way. But more importantly, what I want to talk about today is how the strengths that God has given me affect my role in shining the light of God outside of the church. Now, I want to get us started with a little bit of an illustration. We've been using this Nintendo enter- Entertainment System as an illustration throughout the whole series, and um, I, didn't, I couldn't find the games, so I asked Becky and the kids to find the games, and so I brought out some of the classics right here. Was the first one, Super Mario Brothers, Slash, Duck Hunt, right? Two games in one. They, they got you hooked right off the bat. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, anyone remember playing that? I remember playing that with my friends down the street a little bit. Um, I'll come back to that one. Tetris. I'll give, give an extra blessing of God's grace to whoever can, uh, whoever can sing the theme song to this. It's a classical song. It's not Mario Brothers. Well, we'll come. It's from the Nutcracker, if that helps. <laughs> yeah, there we go. God bless you, hallelujah, praise you in Jesus' name. You are going to be awesome. All right, uh, Vegas Dream, I never played that one. Hogan's Alley, I never played that one either. either. Super Mario Brothers 2, I played a fair amount, but I had a, a hard time with it. Could never really get very far in it. And then, of course, the gold ones, The Legend of Zelda and, and The Adventures of Link. Now, um, kind of as we, as we go through the morning, you know, I just want to talk about how I think some of us approach our lives, right? So let's just kind of look at the entertainment system as, as, a, as our lives, as what God has given to us. And, and we've got what I would call, you know, just because it's gold and shiny and looks like something God would make, you know, it kind of reminds me of maybe the temple and the tabernacle and all the gold they use in the Old Testament. So we're just going to use the Legend of Zelda to represent God's plan for our lives and don't go home and say, you know, put it up pastor said that our life is like Legend of Zelda. Um, there's no real spiritual significance to Legend of Zelda. Maybe, there, you know, it wouldn't be hard to work and find some. But, but so, you know, we've got, the, we've got God's design, how God wired us. And so we kind of we put that in and, we, you know, we play the game. Watch, I'll put one in there and it'll get stuck. And so, you know, we play the game for a little while. But what I think most of the time happens is, is that once we, once we get out of Sunday morning, then we think, okay, the, the God game is over, right? So we take the God game out, and we'll set it on the side until we come back to next week, okay? And then, uh, okay, Monday morning, well, that's Tetris, right? We're just putting things, putting blocks and boxes together all week long. So, so Monday morning when I wake up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out my Tetris game, and I'm just going to kind of live out, live the day out as I put together my Tetris. And then, then when I get home, well, then you know what it is. It's party time. It's me time. That's MTV remote control time. And so I'm going to sit down on the couch, and I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to just kind of enjoy my life. And so that's the, the MTV time. But then but then something else comes along, right? And so we've got, i got to find a better example than these ones here. 
Maniac, that's perfect. Maniac Mansion, right? So, so we, uh, well, we've got our, our Facebook life and our social media life and our public life, at least our filtered public life that is the life that we want the world to see of us but not our real life because nobody really knows us well enough to know our real life, but we have our public life. So we've got our Maniac Mansion that we put in and we put out there for the whole world to see and we lie to everyone and put up a facade and how we pretend that we're this or that. And then, you know, we have, uh, let's say we have our, our fun vacation time, right? We've got the time where we're going to recreation and go and have and relax. And so we get out Vegas dream and we go out and we're going to take a vacation to Vegas and we're just going to have some fun. We're going to blow all of our life savings there and then blame God and ask God why he hates us. And, and say, why didn't you love me, and make the dice roll in my favor, you know, and then, and then something awful is going to happen, and, you know, we're going to find ourselves running from, you know, uh, collection agents in Hogan's Alley, and so we got to put in our Hogan's Alley game, and, and hopefully nobody shoots us. But, you know, we kind of, ha- we have a tendency to do this, right, where we, where we, what I call it, and I think others have called it this, this is not going to work, I'm going to try to stand them up. We compartmentalize our lives, don't we? And so we've got, we've got the life that, that, you know, that God really designed for us, but, but we really limit God's design for our lives to just this little time on Sunday, and we're going to play God's game on Sunday, but then the rest of the week is mine. And we don't look for ways that, that God can and actually wants to integrate himself into our whole life. And the heartbeat for us as a church all along has not been to get you to come to church on Sunday, but to help you live for Christ on Monday. And that's more and more what we're going to be talking about as the weeks go on throughout the course of the summer. My drive and my passion is not that, you know, that you come here and, you know, we just kind of have this awesome experience. I want us to have a good time as we gather together. I want us to be in God's presence. I want us to hear from God's word. I want us to worship, which is surrendering and submitting our lives. It's humbling ourselves before God and letting, letting God take control of who we are. We're going to worship him because we're surrendered to him. And, and those, those are very important things. But, but we only spend two hours here out of 168 hours during the week. So that leaves 166 hours outside of this building where we need to be living the life that God has called us to live. Unfortunately, I think for most of us, that is not the case. We, we, we compartmentalize things. And what happens then if we don't allow God's great game to kind of take hold of everything is that we end up becoming different people in all these different venues, right? We've got our Tetris, we've got our work, and we go to work, and well, God is for Sundays, work is Monday, and so I'm not going to let God override what I do on Monday. It's still, it's still my thing, it's my money, it's you know, whatever, whatever it is we say, and we become an entirely different person, and then we wonder why nobody is, you know, asking about God or talking about God or wondering about God because of the lives we lead, but we don't leave godly lives at work, and it's hard for people to even see God around us. Or, or we get on Facebook, and we, we kind of project this life that isn't real, and we don't, you know, we don't have real relationships with people to, to walk through and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this right now. And, you know, of course, we don't want to get on Facebook and complain and fill up Facebook. By the way, um, I just want to say this. I used to kind of have a tendency to, to really be consumed with politics 
and all of the things that were going on, and I, I never really posted that much about it on Facebook, but, but what I'm hoping we will get out of this morning and as we go on is that, that really God's design for your life ought to trump every individual aspect of your life. And sometimes I think we have a tendency to make things more important than God. And so, so here we have this. We're supposed to have God kind of feeding down into everything. But, but what we do is we take this and, and we, well, you know what, this, this for right now is more important. And so this is, this is going to be on top. Or, or this for right now is more important. And so this is going to be on top. And as we're going into the summer, you know, our recreation time and our fun time, although it's important, important to rest and, and relax and, and, and do as God has commanded us to do and, and work in a, in a good way, it's also, we can also go overboard with it and we just kind of become obsessed with vacationing and recreating, right? And these things just kind of come in and they trump all of these things and that's not how God designed it. You see, our call and our nature and our DNA and our drive is to be first God followers. It's, we're made in His image. And so that, that thing about us as we're redeemed, and now God has come in and He's restored and redeemed us and, and redeeming that image of Christ in us that was marred by the fall and the destruction and, and the sin that came in with Adam rebelling against God. God is now redeeming that, that image of Christ in us, and that is supposed to be the most important thing. And, and that is supposed to be the filter through which we decide everything else about our lives and the filter through which we live everything out in our lives. It's not supposed to be something that's just relegated to Sundays or relegated to, you know, to the worship music that I listen to in the car on my way to work, but when I get at work, I'm an entirely different person, or the worship music that I listen to on my way home from work, but when I get home with my family, I'm an entirely different person. The idea is not to divide and separate, but for God to bring together in a harmonious way all of the aspects of our life in a way that comes under his leadership and his guidance and his wisdom. So what I'm, what I'm hoping you hear today is that, that we need to start bringing all of our lives together under God, under God's design, under God's plan. We can't compartmentalize our life and, and kind of keep it all separate, but what we need to do is we need to put God's game in and let it determine how we play all the other games. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to pull it out there. I'm going to read a, a big chunk of Scripture, but it's the only Scripture I have for us this morning in, great, uh, in a great deal. So I want to read that for us, and then we'll get going. This is Paul speaking, and he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Whatever it is we're going through, whatever it is that's happening to us in life, whatever the struggle is, whatever the burden is, that's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And listen to this. This is very important that we get this. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by... 
turn my page, its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage and decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Freedom is, is what God has done th- for, for us through the work of grace. He has set us free. But there's this whole world around us that is still in bondage, and even creation itself is, is in the bondage. It's in the frustration. It's in a state of just constant frustration because it's waiting for the children of God. And what in our life around us, what in the world around us that we see is still in the state of angst and frustration that is waiting for you, the child of God, to come and bring freedom and peace to it? Verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The whole creation has been groaning. You just, and you can sense that. You can hear that. You can feel that in our world as we even are continuing to hear about awful things like terrorist attacks in Manchester, that, that, that the creation is groaning as we go through this period of frustration. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is the idea of the now and not yet that we've talked about so many times, that God's redemption is for right now, but our ultimate, final, complete redemption is still the not yet. So, so right now in our souls and our spirits and in our inward workings, we have God making us new creations. We are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, but, but we're still kind of cloaked in the fallen, broken, sinful body, the sinful frame, this sinful part of who we are. And so, so it is in, as we wait in eager expectation until that day that we're going to be completely, finally set free. And what Paul is saying, he's using our own experience as Christ followers. We know what we want to do and how we want to follow Christ and the freedom and the peace and the love and the life that comes with that. But then at times we still struggle with the corruption of the world, right? We still struggle with being set free from that. And here we see in our own selves an example of what is taking place in the world around us. Verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so here in the midst of this struggle, this frustration, this chaos, we find ourselves, we want to help, we want to be a part of what God is doing to redeem the world, but it's like, where do we begin? I don't even know where to start, right? I mean, I want to be God's agent of change for bringing hope and peace and life and light into the darkness that exists outside these walls, but for crying out loud, have you been outside these walls recently? Where do you start? What do you begin with? And then, well, you know, we don't always know where to begin, but if we can learn to live by God's design and God's and play within God's game, then we realize something very important. We pray, and the Spirit leads us, and the Spirit guides us. Here he says, through wordless groans. Words, we can't even express the words, but here through wordless groans, the Spirit 
works on our behalf, intercedes for us. There's a lot more to this than what I'm saying. I'm just bringing, a, bringing us to a fairly specific conclusion here as, as we go in this direction. You can make a lot of applications from this Scripture, so uh, don't hear that this is the only way to apply what I'm talking about today. There's so much content and rich content in this passage, but I would just love for you to go read it and digest it and consume it throughout this week. Now here's, here's the coffee cup Scripture. There's a couple of them in here that have been pulled out, and they're, they're really familiar to us, and this is the one that we're going to focus on today. Verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That's a good one, isn't it? Don't you love that one? I love that one. It's one of my favorites. I hope that it hasn't become so familiar to us that we no longer really allow the truth of it to sink in and saturate into our hearts and our lives. We know that in all things, in what things? All things. Not some things, not Sunday things, not holy things, not the things that, that we seem to think are a part of God's plan, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. Now listen, I just want to read this, and we're going to come back and kind of tie this all up. I want you to just listen to the, to the praise and, and the power that is in these last few verses. We just sang this song. What then shall we say in response to these things? What's our response to this truth? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, then who can be against us? If, if God is for us, then literally there is nothing in existence throughout the entire universe that stands a chance against God. So there is really no reason for fear, which is what so many of us live by, isn't it? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has cho chosen? It is God who justifies so look, as we're, as we're dealing with wanting to live this kind of life like we're going to talk about in just a few short, short moments, here Paul answers all of the fears that we might face as we live this kind of life, that, that who's going to bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? Well, God is the one who justifies, so there's nothing to be worried about. Who is the one who condemns? Well, it's only God who could condemn us to hell, and we're already saved and redeemed and justified and glorified, so we don't have to worry about that. No one can do that. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. There's your answer to that fear. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Anything that you could possibly find as a reason to not follow Christ and live your life for Christ, it has all been taken care of through the power of Christ. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then listen to this. No. In all things. In what things? In all things. 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Well, okay, but I don't want God to conquer my Monday yet. I'm not ready for that. So I'm going to just take, I'm going to take the God game out, and we're just going to kind of go back to work, and I'm not going to even pay attention to what Pastor said on Sunday. It's just I'm just going to, you know, I don't want God to conquer my Monday yet. And uh, okay, so, well, I'm not ready for God to conquer my Facebook life, so I'm just going to kind of hold that back. Or All things. All things. What I hope we can understand is that God, and I hope maybe you know this, and if you don't, then I hope that we can kind of present this to you this morning and you'll take the truth and run with it. God is at work in all of our lives. God does not just work on Sundays. God is at work in all things. God is at work in every aspect, every facet, every area of our lives. So why then would we relegate God to be something that only occurs on Sunday? Why would we relegate the power of God, which is supposed to give us this peace and this hope and this life and all of the goodness of the gospel to our entire lives, why would we minimize it to just a one-hour or a two-hour experience on a Sunday? Don't, don't we want God's victory? Don't we want God's hope? Don't we want God's life for all things in our life? So God is at work in all things. God is at work in our day-to-day lives. He's at work moment by moment, minute by minute. One of my favorite hymns besides the one that we just sing, just saying uh, the love of God is day by day. Day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. God is giving us strength for day after day. The mistake we have talked about over and over again, and hopefully I just want it to sink in, is that we think it's our game, right? We, we think we're the ones that kind of design. We get to tell God how to do, what to do, and who to be, and what to be. And so, you know what? I only want God when I want God, and I don't want God when I don't want God. So keep God out of all these other aspects, all of these other areas of my life, because I only want God when I want God. But, but it's not my game. It's not my life. It's not my design. It's not my plan. It's not my will. It's not my future. It's all God's, and it's all God's plan for us. We said this last week, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. What is the outcome? What is the fruit? What is the product of being a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. We are these things. We are chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We are God's special possession. But we are these things so that we may declare His praises of Him who called us out of darkness 
into His wonderful light. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This is all God's plan. This is all God's game. This is all His life. Everything He has created, He has designed and done it intentionally. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it belong to God, for He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. God designed it. He was there in the beginning when it was made. He will be there in the end when it is destroyed. God created it all. He's the one who will not only destroy it, but bring in the redeemed, the restored vision of what He wants it to look like. So we can fight and we can try to live against God and say that we're in control of everything, but the reality is it's all God. So, so why not work with God in His life, in His plan, in His game, and let Him be the rule and the authority for it? So it's not our game, it's God's game. It's God who is at work in our day-to-day -day lives. God cares just as much about your Monday as He does about your Sunday. God, God is just as passionate about you living for Him on Tuesday and Wednesday as He is when you are here on Sundays. And every single one of us has received this call, this great commission that we are all supposed to go and make disciples, and we don't just make disciples here. We make disciples by bringing in those who don't yet know and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have to reach outside into the darkness and pull people into the light. How else are we going to do that? We can't do that only on Sunday because those who are living and struggling and walking in the darkness aren't here. So God is at work in our day-to-day -day lives. So if God is at work in our day-to-day -day lives, then, then what do we need to do? There's only two things that I think that we need to do. First thing that we need to do is look for God at work. We look for what God is doing. You know, God is at work in all things, right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. You love Christ. You love God. You have been called according to His purpose. That means that He is at work in all things. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. That means when you get outside of these walls, that God is at work in your life. All you have to do is start looking for it, paying attention to it, noticing, observing, and maybe a way to do that would just be to pray. And Jim has mentioned this, that, that he'll, he'll start each day with a prayer. And maybe we could just all learn this habit and kind of develop this habit in our lives that we start each day asking God to show us where He's working today. God, just, where are you working today? Show me. Open my eyes. Help me to be able to see where you're working today. Let me see you at work in my life. And start paying attention, right? Pray, and then, and then what, we, what we say here is pray and expect. Expect for God to show you. Pray that God will show you, then expect for God to show you. And then as you're going through your day and you start to see God kind of arrange and set up and, all of, and kind of put together all of the stuff in your life as you go throughout your day-to-day -day life, you'll start to realize God is very much at work in every single aspect of your life. God cares very passionately about who you're interacting with and, and who you are influencing and who is influencing you. Pray and expect. It's 
Say, God, okay, I, I believe this. I believe that you want to work all things for the good for me because I am a part of your plan. I, I, I want to do this, so God, will you just show me? Show me where you're at work. So look for God at work, and then the second point, which is really just as profound and sophisticated, join him in that work. Your mind's blowing, right? Look for God at work, join him in that work. So I think part of the problem is, you know, we've, we've kind of made this idea of, of being, you know, on mission and living a life on mission, this great, big, grand thing. Okay, I have to go out and okay, I have to find somebody and I have to share the four spiritual laws and I have to go and I have to talk about Jesus to, to this person or that person. You know, and, and so I have to, if I'm going to live my life on mission, I have to become a reject essentially that no one ever wants to be around. When really, when living your life on mission has more to do with the life you lead and live than it does with the words you say. And you can go out and say all the right words, but if your life is stuck in all of these different games that have nothing to do with God, nobody's going to listen. Listen to a thing you say. You've probably heard this, right? That your 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 talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks more than your talk talks. What is your walk with God saying? And yes, we're going to talk about sharing the gospel, and we're going to hopefully give you some more practical tools to help you be able to do that. But you know what I think is probably the, one of the best, maybe if not the best way to, to prepare the soil, which is what a lot of this has to do with, is that we're preparing the soil, right? We're preparing the soil so that it's good soil ready to receive the gospel, and I think, really, we don't have to kind of come up with all these schemes and systems and strategies to be able to, you know, okay, well, if I do this 17-step process with this person, by the time I get to step 17, I'm going to be able to share the gospel with them. Well, really, if we just pray, like we talked about, and we ask God to show us where He's at work in our life, then as we are building true, real relationships with the people around us, all we have to do is share with them what God is doing. Yesterday, I, I mean, I just couldn't believe, you know, I, just, I really needed this or that, and God provided it for me. I just wasn't even expecting it, and just God kind of showed up in this way or that way. Look for God at work and join Him at that work. So as you're building relationships with people and you pray, God, show me where you're working today, and then you see someone in your life that needs help, and God might be saying, Maybe you ought to help this person, right? And so you say, okay, well, you come alongside and say, well, how can I help? I mean, looks like you need help. Or maybe you're in your office, right, and there's somebody who's really behind and they're struggling with an assignment or this project or that project, and, and you know that they just feel like they're overwhelmed with it, and, and you might have to, you know, work a little bit extra and not even, you know, you don't have permission to work overtime, so you have to work a little overtime for free, but you want to come alongside and just say, okay, let me, let me help you with this. Let, I'll, I'll stay after and help you get this figured out so you can get that off your plate today, what, what would it look like if you just offered to help and God maybe planned and designed for you to help in that way? I 
I don't know if you know this, but we're kind of selfish people, right? We kind of think that the whole world, the whole universe revolves around us, and we've set our entire existence up that way. And so another, I think, really practical way that we can you know, join God in His work is just to care about people around us. If we don't fill every conversation we have with how awesome we are, but instead we ask questions. <laughs> hey, tell me about yourself. What's, what's really important to you? What, what really matters the most to you? Or, or as you're walking through something and you know, maybe you're at work or you're in a relationship with someone in your neighborhood, a friendship kind of relationship with someone in your neighborhood and you don't know how to do this or you don't do that, just go ask your neighbor, hey, have you ever dealt with this before? How can you do this? Just ask questions. And because we're kind of selfish and self-centered, when you ask someone questions about who they are and you can get someone talking about their self, it's really oftentimes hard to get them to shut up because we like to talk about ourselves. And so just, you know, ask Ask questions and say, who are you? Let me get to know you. This is how you can join God at work this week. You can offer help. You can ask questions. We can practice hospitality. What if we were just hospitable people in our homes or in our workplace? If we just looked for chances to be hospitable, if we, if we provided food for our coworkers or we provided food for our neighbors or we just invited people into our homes or we invited people into our lives, this is a way where we could join God in His work. He wants us to be hospitable people. Another great way, fantastic way to join God in His work is to be someone who shows forgiveness. Someone at work wrongs you, they upset you, they, they do something against you. Conventional wisdom would say today, well, okay, well, you're, I'm done with you, I'm out, I'm just going to, no, I'm not going to have a relationship with you, um, oh, but what if we joined God in His work and we just forgave? And we just, we just you know, hey, you know what, I just, I just kind of I want to forgive you for this thing. You know, it, it, it wounded me, it hurt me, it did this or that. But, you know, I'm not willing to let that come between you and me, so I'm going to forgive you and I no longer hold that against you. That's how you could join God in His work. And lastly, you can just invest in others. Just invest in them. Just, just encourage the people around you. Just lift them up. Just, just, you know, when you see a need, meet the need if you can. When there's something that, that just kind of comes up, just, just see it as though God has created the pathway for you to do this thing so that you can join Him in His work. And invest in the people in your life. Invest in them. Pour into them. Not expecting anything in return, but just pour yourself out into the lives of people around you. And then, you know what that's going to do? That's going to create the opportunity for you to be able to tell your stories about how God has helped you. And you know what the stories are going to become? The more and more we do this, it's not going to be so centered around what God is doing for me. It's going to be how God is enabling us to help others. You know what? Yesterday, I was, I was with this coworker, and he needed, he needed this or that, and you know, God had just kind of help me to be able to provide this, or, or you know what, this person really was in this situation, and, and God just kind of stepped in and, and met this need, and our work with Him starts to become our testimony that we share with an unbelieving world. It begins with understanding that God is at work in our day-to-day -day lives praying and looking for God at work, asking God to show us where that work is taking place, and then lastly, joining Him in that work.
There's a lot more practical. I mean, there's so many just simple things that we could do if we just started approaching our lives and from this mentality, but it starts with seeing it all from God's perspective, not from our perspective. And I want to end and finish on this question because I think this is kind of where maybe it all comes down. Because if we're going to be true followers of Christ, Christ has to overtake and rule over and be in charge of every aspect of our lives. If we're going to be on mission for Christ, then, then Christ and His love and His grace has to be the abundant thing in who we are. We, we have to become God's love for the world that is wrapped up in hate. This is the only way the world will experience Christ. This is the only way the world will experience God's love is through us as His body. And so, so we are the only instruments that God will work through. I suppose God might choose to intervene in some miraculous, supernatural way, but 90, 95, maybe even higher percentage of the time, God is going to use you and me to love the unbelievers in this world. And I think this question that I'm about to ask will answer whether or not we're partnered with God or more concerned with other things. And as I ask it, I just, I just ask and, and maybe even pray that, that God would just help you to answer this question honestly. We want to be honest with God. He already knows the truth anyway, so let's just be honest and answer it honestly. I'm not going to ask you to answer it out loud, but I want you to answer it to yourself. Here's the question. Am I more concerned with how people think of me or how people think of Jesus? Am I more concerned with how people think of me or how people think of Jesus? seems like a simple question, but, but I really think that there's a lot to it that, well, we don't want to be perceived as kind of the office weirdo, the religious nut, the whack job, right, in the office. And so, you know, I don't want to be that guy, and so uh, I'm not going to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that talks about God all the time and all the things that God has done for me because you know how those people get labeled and they put, get put in this God box, right? And, you know, there's just gods and guns and all of that stuff. And so I don't want to be, I don't want to be put in that box, so I'm just not going to be about God's work. And so I'm more concerned with what people think about me than I am what they think about Jesus. And that's, that's just putting, you know, my game in. It's just, it's just all, it's, I, at the end of the day, I'm still the most important thing. I, I'm, st- I'm still the one calling the shots. It's still all about me. And, you know, God, you can be a part of my life where I let you be a part of my life. But, you know, in the end, it's still my decision, my choice, my game. And I'm, I'm just going to stay there. And if you want to join me and my walk, well, then that's fine. But I'm not going to change things just for you? Are we more concerned with how people think of ourselves or are we more concerned with how people think of Christ?
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, I don't need to worry or even care what people think of me. I just need to worry and care if they know and they see Jesus. If God is for me, there's nothing for me to be worried about for myself. God's got me. God's got my back. I don't have to be afraid of what people perceive as who I am. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who's going to bring a charge against you? It's God who justifies. I don't need to be worried about what people are going to do to me and how they're going to bring me down and they're going to label me in this way. You know, they're going to make me out to be this person that, that I'm really not. I'm just trying to be grace and I'm trying to be truth and I'm trying to be love. You know, so if someone brings a charge against me, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? No one can bring a charge because God has already justified you. Am I more concerned with how people think of me or how people think of Jesus? Who is the one that condemns? No one can condemn us. What's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Is, is there something, you know, if I, if I become this kind of person, then I, I'm just opening myself up to, to attack, right? I mean, I'm just opening myself up to become that person that becomes the punching bag, the, 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 the kicking bag. Someone that's, I'm just going to be attacked. I'm going to be thought less of, you know, Okay, well, what's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Uh, Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. No, in all these things, we are when we're living out God's design, God's plan, God's hope, God's dream for our lives, when we're making much of Jesus, when we are following the way of John the Baptist who said he must become greater, I must become less. Our our life becomes exemplified in the fact that we are making much and exalting and lifting and putting Christ in the highest seat in our lives. When we do that, then in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And when, when we are living our life in this way, we're receiving and living and giving and being the love of Christ, then, then we have nothing to fear. And I am convinced and I know because it's not, only, it's not only something that I know, but it's something I believe because Paul says it and this is God's word, this is God's truth. When, when we're living our life in this way, I'm convinced that neither death, you don't have to worry about that, neither life, you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in this life as long as you live your life surrendered. Neither angels nor demons, you don't have to worry about that. They're under, uh, they, they have no power in God's domain, neither the present, okay, I don't have to worry about today, neither the future, the worries of tomorrow, they're not going to have any control, any, any concern, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation, nothing that I could possibly think of will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of when it comes to living as children of the light? Am I more concerned with how people think of me or how people think of Jesus? 
We're going to take communion and we're going to stop and think about all that has been done so that we can have this gift of life that the price that was paid for us. And then we're going to end on a, on a, a song that I hope will maybe become a, a theme song, a song that, that drives us in the mission that God has placed us on. I just ask that as we go through these last three or four meaningful, super meaningful elements of our service, that, that you don't stop and think, okay, finally, we're getting out early. I can go and have and enjoy my day. That, that you don't start thinking about, okay, we're starting to wrap up and, okay, I'm, I'm just ready to go and get what I want for my life and those things. But now I just think about, okay, God, would you just empower me now? Would you fill me? Would you just... Give me the the passion and the life and the love that I need to go out into this week and live for your glory and for your kingdom to make much of Jesus. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, here on this weekend that typically signifies the, you know, the beginning of summer and the freedom from the dark and dreary days of winter in the Northwest and just our anxiousness and our readiness to get outside and enjoy your creation. Father, I pray as, as we begin that season that we would begin it with your heart, with your purpose, with your mission in mind. Father, I pray that we would, that we would not just kind of you know, leave and you know, abandon you and our relationship with you, our relationship with our brothers and sisters in this community and all of that, but that, that you would, through this summer, build us up in the faith. And that as we go through these summer months, the, the months before us that really hold the most opportunity, the possibility for us to love our neighbors as we have been loved. And Father, I pray that you would just open the eyes of our hearts and our minds to be able to see you at work. Father, I pray that, that even maybe if we're not even praying those prayers, that you would just put your work in front of us and, and let us see it for what it is that you are at work in our day-to-day lives. And Father, I pray that right now in this moment, through the power of your Spirit alive and active and at work in us, in this place where we are gathered together, that you would charge us up as we get ready to head out, that you would, that you would fill us up to the point of overflowing where your love is now overflowing out on those that we come in contact with this week. Father, help us not only to see you at work, but to join you in that work. And where fear would come in and tell us not to join you, that we would, by the love of God that has given us the power to be more than conquerors because of you and the work that you have done, that we would step in and we'd join you in that work and we'd be bold to take that step this week. And we say, you know, I'm not going to just watch God prepare the place for me to work, but I'm actually going to go and join and do the work that he's called me to do. 
I'm going to put God at the top of everything, and that this, this God who has designed this life and, and this operating system that we're supposed to live on, that this God who planned out my life and, and all the things that He wants me to do and how He wants me to live, I'm going to put my, my hands and my life in His control and, and in His power and His desire, and I'm going to let Him be the one calling the shots, and I'm, I'm going to join Him in that work as opposed to trying to command Him where to work. Father, help us to live these lives of complete, wholehearted surrender to you and let you be the God that you not only want to be but are the only one capable of being in us. In Jesus' name, amen.